and welcome back to Old School. Today we're going to be in the spiritual and mental class, and our teacher is going to be Dr. Gladys Childs. She's a speaker, author, church leader, professor, pastor's wife, and mother. <laughs> she currently serves as chaplain at Texas Wesleyan University. And authentic is the word that most is most used to describe Gladys and her ministry. Her passion is meeting people at the intersection of life and faith to provide a relevant understanding and hope in God. Gladys and her husband, Thomas, have been married since 1995 and have one son and a miniature poodle who loves being the center of attention. Gladys and I follow each other on social media, and I believe it was a divine appointment that we came together and that she's able to be here and teach in class today. So welcome, Gladys. Well, um, it is so good to be here, and, and thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I, I'm happy that we were able to get this worked out. Now, here in old school, I, I as I had said before we started, that I am in search of mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health and maintaining it. And whatever, I, I'm a science geek, so I like to drill down and, and do whatever I need to do before I put anything in or on my body or let anything in my ears or my eyes. And I'm not going to say I'm perfect at it, but that's my goal here is that anybody who's listening to old school is going to get a few nuggets, maybe some fun information, um, but also some serious um, helpful things that can help us be in that exact lane. Mm -hmm. So I I do have a couple of things that I have seen in your writing that I would like to talk about, but mostly what I'd like to start with is just your story, how your testimony came about and how you got to the place where you are a professor and, uh, and your story. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I was born an accident. Um, my dad was 51 when I was born. And so uh, he was born in 1919. So that kind of led to a different kind of upbringing uh, for me because uh, in the 70s, you know, all my friends, their kids were, their parents were young and, and mine were fairly old. Um, so it was a different kind of lifestyle. Um, but I grew up not going to church. Um, and it wasn't until we moved to Arkansas when my dad retired that I started going to church. And I went just because I didn't have anything else to do, to be completely honest. I'm like, well, I don't have anything else to do. I might as well go. And then they invited me to church camp. And I was like, I don't have anything to do. So I'll go to that, too. Um, and there was literally a hellfire and brimstone preacher that scared me to <laughs> and so when I try to lay down at night, all I could see were the visions that he was casting and and all of those things. And so literally the man scared the hell out of me. And that that's the only way I know how to say it. He scared me to death. And so I accepted Christ. Um, and while that's one way to meet Christ, I, I don't recommend that as the way to, to reach people for Christ. But, you know, it worked for me. And so um, I am grateful um, because of that. It just totally changed my life. I know I look at my family. My mom was an alcoholic. There were all kinds of issues and problems. But when I look at my life versus my siblings' life, uh, the big difference is my relationship with God. And God has made all the difference for me and just set me on a trajectory to serve Him and to minister to others. But I know if I wouldn't have had my difficult upbringing that I had, I don't think I would have the compassion or the heart um, that I need to have because we live in a broken world and, and all of us suffer and we all struggle and we all need help. 
Well, and I think a lot of times, and I don't mean this at all disparagingly, but sometimes when people hear our testimony and we we don't have um I don't know a, anything in our in our past that's like, you know, like if somebody got saved when they were five and and they never really did anything that the world wants to look at and call sinful or whatever, that people don't understand that that's not what it's about, that that's not what our our redemption's about. But it does speak to a lot of people. And I think that's why we're called, like you have been, to write and to serve, um, and I as well, to let people know that that there's that coming from that kind of background, the mm-hmm. story of that redemption and healing is possible because a lot of people don't think it is, and they don't want to hear from somebody who had this perfect little churchy upbringing and have known the Lord their whole life or whatever it might be. And that doesn't um, cast a dispersion on somebody's testimony that is that because there are a lot of people like that too. But I think for the world that we're currently living in, for people to hear the truth of that type of redemption out of that lifestyle is awesome. And I love, I mean, I uh, got saved at 14 at a tent revival. And I don't recall that it was heavy duty fire and brimstone, but it just (laughs) cracks me up because those kind of revivals, you know, it is, they're, they're talking to you about where do you want to go? Where do you want to go when you die? And um, so I think that's awesome. I immediately am picturing John Edwards, you know, the whole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that like with people who who have really good backgrounds and they really didn't experience a lot of trauma, I appreciate that because I think that's what God meant it to be. Right. Um, if we didn't have sin in this world and if we just didn't make mistakes, I mean, that's the way it should be. And so when I come across people like that, to me, it is a blessing because I'm just thankful that somebody got to grow up like that. <laughs> you know? um, because that's, I believe, what God intended. And I think that um, one of the things I've learned from living a traumatic past is the only way that I'm going to change that for my child and then for his future children is I've got to make good choices. Um, and I've got to separate who I am now and the mother I am from my past and how I was brought up. Um, but it's, I think we're always one choice away, you know, from oh. doing what is right and kind and loving or just being a terrible human being. I, that's ex- the exact phrase. I've used um, my daughter wondered why I wasn't more angry with my ex because he cheated. Mm -hmm. She wanted me to be angry. And I said, you know, I forgave him the day I put him out of the house um, because I can't carry that. But I Mm -hmm. also recognize that we're all one decision away. Mm -hmm. Um, We all could have made either any choice, any choice that others have done. And Throughout in and in my book, I go over this. My first book, they my coaches have helped me craft that it, it's going to be more memoirish, and the next ones are going to talk about how um, we came through. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, my my biological father beat us even as little as two years old. Um, I was sexually abused at five by a twenty three year old man, um, and even at that time, and as I was writing, I realized that. Those it was the evil of those people. It was their choices. Did I know in my little two-year-old mind or five-year-old mind that evil was the right word? All I knew it was them. I didn't mm-hmm. think about 
God or somebody else, my parent, my mom, you know, any of them, it was them. And that's how I've always thought my whole life. And, you know, I married my ex-husband. He wasn't a believer. I didn't pray about that choice. It was, you know, Twitter pated physical attraction. And so I have to take the ownership in the fact that even though their infidelity ended it, what, how it was as we went along. So yeah, we're all one choice away from, you know, not sitting in that judgment of somebody else. And Mm -hmm. I do find that when I have a kindred spirit, um, if I'm in a room of a hundred people, 90 of them have walked a fair portion of my path. And I feel like you are saying the same thing. And I love that you speak to not, a lot of people want to cling to generational sin as their justifications and their reasons for stuff. And the world will totally give us a pass for that. But I don't, I, you know, I have never, I mean, when I spanked my daughter the first time, and I think there's a reason for spanking and I've been spanked Mm -hmm. and I've been beaten and I know the difference, but I cried. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want this to be generational. I did not Mm -hmm. want it to come across as a beating, you know, and she knows it didn't, wasn't, but she probably would have thought it, you know, been dramatic at the time. <laughs> yeah, my husband is the one who, who who did the spanking. And so it was really traumatic for him. And he only did it once or twice. And it was very serious issues. And um, but we're just he's thankful it only had to occur once or twice, because I think it did more damage to my husband <laughs> than it did to my son. <laughs> Well, I love your story. I read some more about it in your blog and um, on your website. And one of the series that I absolutely loved and I felt could be really compelling for this podcast was your series on your voice. Mm -hmm. And I loved, absolutely loved a couple of the quotes, but I'd really like to get your, you know, kind of B-52 overarching kind of version of why that particular series came about and your thoughts on, on, on someone's voice. Well, the series came about because as a pastor's wife and as a religion professor, I have so many students and people that just come to me and feel like they don't have anything to offer God and they can't serve God because they're not a religion professor or a pastor's wife or a pastor or a missionary. And so I wanted to let people know that our voice and how we serve God is so much more. It, it's not about being up front or being on a stage or, or we, you know, being a Christian author or being a podcaster. Um, it's about our relationship with God and living out the fruits of the Spirit and that we all have a unique voice and that takes all of us doing our parts because if we don't, then we're not the vibrant church community and the body of Christ that we can be. Well, I I couldn't agree more. I know um, maybe because of my age, I came up through some churches where, Mm -hmm. you know, a woman's place or how she was to carry herself, first of all. But then second of all, how the congregation starts to put itself in a place where um, they want the pastor to be the only one, you Mm -hmm. know, give it preaching the gospel and talking to people about their salvation or whatever it might be. And I came out of the Catholic church as a child. They shut the door on my mom and my brothers and I, because she divorced my dad. I mean, she was in the hospital, almost died. She signed the divorce papers and they, her first Sunday out, as I recall it, they shut the door on us. We couldn't go in. And there within the Catholic church, 
the, the, all the reading is done by everybody up front. You know, I, I get it. I can go through all the, you know, doctrine of the Catholic church, but I'm just saying everybody up front as a child, this is what I'm looking at. So mm-hmm. then from there, my stepfather took us with his family to a Pentecostal church. <laughs> Much That's more a little different in the Catholic <laughs> Pentecostal, Catholic Pentecostal. They're close, aren't they? Oh. And I thought it was a blast. I mean, <laughs> some of the stuff that was going on was bizarre, but I was a kid. I didn't really know mm-hmm. what was going on. I wasn't saved yet. But I have to say, and I write about this in my book, that the Sunday school teacher that I was with was so compassionate and such a wonderful mm-hmm. woman. And I recall now her words, because I have a photographic and phonographic memory. And she was laying out the gospel. She was laying it out. And she understood that it didn't need to just be the pastor who was the one talking to us. So mm-hmm. she truly had her voice in the Lord. And then as I went from there through the different churches, the church I belonged to uh, when I got saved was a Bible church and the tent revival, all of this, I don't recall people teaching me how to to read the Bible. I don't mm-hmm. recall people telling me that I have this ability to like speak about it. And I loved um, uh the way that you were talking about um, the voice is the muscle of the soul. I don't know who Rob Hart is. And I did, I apologize. I did not follow up and look him up, but I was like, so touched by that. And so like, where did you specifically come to the place where you were going to write that? And then who, you know, you like have a, have a technique for us getting our voice out there as well. Some techniques, Mm -hmm. several. Yeah. Um, I think that really making it practical and applicable for people was important because I I meet people who, um, like one lady in our church, who's truly broken and and feels bad and horrible and less than because she feels she has not one thing that she can offer to God. And when people are heartbroken over what they can't do for God, that's, that's not what God wants. Um, God never intended for us to be in that place in a relationship where, where we feel bad about ourselves because we can't serve him in like in a correct sort of way. Right. Um, and there is, there is no correct way. Um, I know that for me, like, I'm going to be completely honest. I have done a million spiritual gift tests every time I bought them out on service. Like I can talk to you about your problem. I can give you practical tools, but you know, service, I'm just I zero out. And so I meet so many beautiful people that have the gift of service. They will give and give and work and do all kinds of things that I, I don't have the gift for. Um, and then, but they're like, but I don't want to speak. I'm like, well, good. I speak and you do the service, you know, <laughs> or like going to, to nursing homes. I would rather die than go to a nursing home. And be, because I start crying, I get so upset and I literally cry my whole way through a nursing home. That isn't going to help anybody out when I go to a nursing home, if I'm crying now, do I give items? I give gripper socks and I give items and things and I donate. So that's a way that I, I can give, um, but it all takes all of us in our own lanes doing what we're called to do. I think when uh, what God meant for us to have in this life really shines through and, and comes forth. And I'm sure you've met people too, like they have different gifts than than you have. Yeah. Uh, and not one is less than and not one is, is more than. Because 
I mean, you try to be a preacher's wife and everybody knows that I have no gift of service. Like what preacher's wife has no gift of service? This one, you know, it just doesn't seem to, to go together, but you need some administration done, you need something organized, you know, I can kind of do that, but um, I'm just, yeah, you know, I just know what I'm not good at. Uh, but what I am good at doesn't make me better than anybody no. else. No. Oh. And, yeah. and it's so interesting because God doesn't use those measuring sticks at all. Mm -hmm. He just wants your heart to do what you are called for. And so many people feel like, you know, that that one couple who comes in and cleans the church after each service and, and does it as a volunteer. And I get it. Mega churches that are gigantic, they have to have pay for services because that's just too much. But, you know, just there is so many and small and large ways, but all are equivalent in the kingdom of God in regard to your service. I've taken a thousand tests and I didn't like doing any of them because I feel like you can unconsciously, and I mean that, uh, <laughs> mess with them. But mm -hmm. I did do the Enneagram finally because folks asked me to, and it was so overwhelmingly accurate, the good, the bad, and the ugly, mm -hmm. that that has been comforting for me because they give you also tools to like walk your way out of the ugly, you know, and, right. and see how mm -hmm. you can not have that be part of your, your future or your present if you're, if you're willing to walk through those emotions or those ways of underlying motivations. Um, but I liked like you had some, it, there's a four, I think. Yes. Four little simple techniques you had about your voice and about establishing it um, and how you can utilize it. So not just realizing that we have one and that we should use it, but in what capacity and how you can like shape how it, how it kind of looks uh, you could talk about that a little bit. I would love it because I, I just found it very helpful. If you feel like you might have an area that you're gifted in or that you can serve in, then you just need to try it out, to be honest. Or if you're not sure, then you, you talk to people that you know, because they can use other people can see in us what we can't see in ourselves. True. Um, and then we just you just need to go and try and do and see what works. And so like for me, I know if I go into a nursing home, I'm going to get so upset. Uh, so I don't need to keep doing that. I've done that enough and I know it doesn't work and that's okay um, because God has gifted people to do that. So if you find something that doesn't work for you, it doesn't mean that you're bad or less than you just go a different route and keep trying and doing. Cause I believe that once we try, then the Holy spirit speaks to us. And there's usually like you know, I kind of get like a spark of life when I'm in the right lane doing what I'm supposed to be doing to serve God. I, I feel fulfilled and, and lifted up. And um, not that's not the reason why I do stuff. It's just I know when I'm going down the right path because I'm full of joy and I know that I'm where I'm supposed to be. And when I'm not, then I, I'm miserable. And then I think my service isn't good to other people, because, for example, I was asked to be the children's director for a while in our church. And I did, uh, but that isn't my gifted area working with children. And it actually, after a while, became a detriment. And so if we're serving in a, a capacity where we're not truly gifted, but someone else has told us, you know, I, you just need to do this, or we need somebody to fill it. If you're going down the wrong path, 
then you could do more harm than good. And not that I had done harm at that point. It's just, I could tell, I mean, I had no patience left. I was going grumpy to church. Um, and I was ready for like when the children's time would be over, I was like, oh, I survived that. Um, and, and that's not the way our giftedness should be. Not that we don't get tired or worn out. You know, when we do what we're doing, we end up that way sometimes. But um, there's a difference between when you're in the right lane and you feel fulfilled from what you're doing or when you feel drained and beaten down. Um, and so I just encourage people to, if you have an area that you're interested in, just try it. And if it's fulfilling and it's working, then keep going down that path. And if it's not, then try something different. I think that definitely taking that step and as opposed to just doing nothing or thinking that you're valueless, because that isn't how we were created. And you can serve in your place of work or maybe in your community or your neighborhood. It doesn't have to be serving the church can be outside of the church building. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. Take your marching orders from the Lord, not just, I mean, you want to serve in the body of Christ, but um, I think that your whole conversation, like your your points, just so you know, I did print them out, <laughs> is looking at others with eyes of compassion. Well, if you hadn't looked with eyes of compassion at the nursing home, you might've been going in there and your upsetness could have just created more upsetness there. And so mm -hmm. it's, you want to be cognizant. You want to have that wisdom. Um, the Your second point talks about how people sometimes are onerous or, or they've been mistreated. And so when you look at them that you don't, you know, your voice can't be a battering ram either, I think. Um, and so I just love this, you know, uh, to re you, you remind us to repeat to ourselves that we have value and that our voice has worth. And so I, I loved that. I love your, some of your other blogs. So I'd really like folks to go uh, visit your website and get a look at a lot of the information you have. Um, I personally, do you still teach the logic class? I do. I teach logic. Yes. I would love to audit that. <laughs> I, is it online at all? <laughs> it, it is online. It is online. Oh, that would be, I, when I was younger, the abuse I went through, I thought what I was doing was logical and how I was protecting myself. Um, I learned later on better of actual logic, but I am such a science geek about all of that. And not just about like chemistry and biology. I mean, like the science of psychology and the science of how our mind works and how our thinking works and how our uh, reasoning works. And so I think that would be an absolute blast. Um, how did that come about? Well, as a religion professor, my area is specifically in Christian education. But when you go to teach at a university, they need you to teach whatever the department is offering. And so the professor came to me and he would happen to be the only logic professor. And he said, we need another logic professor. Um, will you do this? And at that time, I was working as the full time chaplain, but I was just a part time professor an adjunct professor. And I'm thinking, you know what, this is job security here. If I learn how to teach logic, then that might help me, you know, in the future. So that's why I did it, but it, it actually helped me in the future. And that's how I ended up teaching full-time was because of logic. Um, 
But uh, so that's that's how it came about. But I have to say that is one of my most fun classes, even though I've, I've taught everything. I've taught New Testament, Old Testament, Jesus's life and teachings, religion and pop culture. Um, the one that students seem to be the most engaged in is actually the hardest <laughs> logic. Yeah, I yeah. would think it would rival like the statistics class you have to take or something in, in its yeah. intensity. And uh, so I, that's interesting. <laughs> I might go in online and see if I can take it. <laughs> well, I can send you the information, um, but it it's it's a little like English. Some days it's like an English class and some days it's like a math class and, and some days it's like algebra. It just it's it switches. Um, but I know the one thing that is the most important thing in logic, which I think applies to all of life is uh, we have gut instincts and when we're little. I think we used we listen to those better. And then as you get older, like people tell you not to listen to yourself, not to listen to your inner voice. And we kind of downplay that. But I tell my students, if you get in an elevator and you think the person behind you is a serial killer and they're sketchy, it, it doesn't matter if they smell really good. It doesn't matter if they look clean cut. If you've got a weird feeling, you need to listen to that feeling and get out of the elevator. Um, and I say that's the way with logic is. Usually when we're thinking, our, our gut instinct is usually the right choice and the right direction we need to go. But for whatever reason, the world has taught us not to listen to ourselves and to listen to other voices. I have, I follow um, and I read the books of this author who talks about women looking for their Boaz. His name is Stephen Labossier. And mm -hmm. he talks very much about how women have been you know, not I don't, beat down or or kind of pecked at in regard to listening to their intuition or their gut about somebody they meet. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying men don't have a similar situation or whatever, right. but, but women in particular, their intuition as moms, as women, um, in relationships or situations, we, we do need to pay attention to that. And sometimes it is the Holy spirit spurning mm -hmm. us on, but just that, that innate, uh, gift we've been given by the Lord to, you know, to get, you know, when the hairs rise up, you know, take action. And I mean, you don't have to be ridiculous. You know, you, like in right. your elevator situation, you don't have to turn around and start beating the person. Just get off the elevator. elevator. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it's not that hard, but to, to get my students to stop overthinking mm. and just be um, is, is difficult. But I think that goes along with faith. I mean, God wants us to quit overthinking so much and just be. So one thing I ask, at the end of each episode is what thing. And I get that the more life we've lived, there may be many, but what one nugget, what one thing would you have liked to have known sooner? Or if somebody would have shared that with you, or you just had discovered it that you would like to share that one little nugget. Mm -hmm. I think what I would share is that we know I think innately who we're supposed to be and what path we're supposed to go down, usually from a young age. Um, like mine was teaching and writing, but then we have other people that say, but you can't, or you're not good enough, or people are harsh or cruel to us. And even if they don't mean to be, and, and we let other people's voices drown out our own. And so I think that's one thing that um, if I could go back is to let go of other people's voices and just listen, focus on God, and then focus on what God was saying to me through the Holy Spirit. 
That's awesome. That that's so much to do with, like you said, that one choice or listening to what's going on inside. We are in such a place where the world is really trying to um, to kind of drown out what we need to hear. And while we do want to listen, like you said previously, to our voice and get it out there so that that can work together for good, when somebody else's voice is trying to drown ours. I think that's when when it's off the rails and that's no longer a valid voice or at least not in your world. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for that. That's awesome. And uh, uh, I love each and every nugget I've gotten from like the 20 year olds to whatever. I just feel that's my my tagline here. Everyone's older than someone and having that information as soon as we can get a hold of it. So now they've heard it. They can't say they didn't know it. <laughs> Well, this is awesome. And I hope that, you know, going forward, you know, whatever you write and get out into the world, I think would be so valuable and so wonderful because I did enjoy your blog very much. And I would love to have folks uh, go to your website. Um, All of your connection stuff will be in the show notes. Um, Just uh, really good solid information from somebody who, even though you're a pastor's wife, and sometimes people kind of put that on a pedestal, which is unfair, but you know, the Bible does say you'll be held to a different account. Um, I love it that you're genuine and you're transparent, and this is where you've come from and that we're all human. I love the reel you just did the other day um, about that very thing, how people have taken the word Christian and beaten it up and um, and that the true definition versus the true actions of somebody who has a relationship with Christ. And and so you definitely represent that well. I can't even imagine getting to be one of your students. I think it would be a blast. And I'm a lifetime <laughs> learner. So I, I truly would like the connections. Um, and it, maybe you'll see me pop up in class. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I want to thank everybody. I want to thank Gladys for teaching us today. I want to thank everybody for coming to class today. Again, if you look for her connections in the show notes, my connections are there as well. If you would like to engage at michelle at michellevrabel.com, I'd love it if you listen and rate and review. And I'd really love it if you come back and catch up with us um, with any of the new episodes that come out. You'll be able to be notified about those if you do subscribe to the newsletter. So thank you for coming to class today and class dismissed. 